0: Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. And our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Now this is Jesus, He's speaking. And just so you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. If you, you know, you're looking on your phone or your tablet or your Bible, if it has subject headings, at Matthew 5 it'll say Sermon on the Mount. And oftentimes it's those first 16 verses before they give another subject heading. But chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the whole sermon. You know, sometimes you think, well, maybe Pastor or I or other people might get a little long-winded. Well, Jesus, He took three chapters to get out one sermon. Amen but the Word of God to change our life. So here he is. He's finishing up this Sermon on the Mount, and he comes to this point in verse 24. So Jesus is speaking to this multitude in this crowd, and he says, Therefore, whoever hears these words or these sayings of mine, specifically talking about what he just preached on, Matthew 6, 5, 6, and 7, but also we understand the words of Christ is the Bible. Amen. John 1 tells us that the Word of God became flesh, Christ Jesus. So therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. But everyone, verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended. The floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. When we're looking today in the, in the Word of God concerning what Jesus just said here about building our life on the rock, there's four things I want you to see, four things that I saw in studying this, and really this is what, just meditating and studying over this, this was that answer to that question I asked the Lord, you know, Lord, why is it? Why is it that just, it just seems like there's just two different lives, and then often as, as the Lord does with you, with me, He'll speak to us by His Holy Spirit, but He also speaks to us through His Word, Amen? And so I, he said, well, this is the reason. This is the reason why it feels like there's two existence. This is the reason why it feels like there's two lives. This is the reason why it feels like you're in one world and the world is in another. Because you are. Because you are. The house you're building today is a different house than the house of this present age. Really, all we're going to talk about today is going to be some different terms, some different things we see, some different words, some different scriptures. But it's the same thing that Pastor preached on last week. As he is, so are we. Do you think if Christ was walking, we understand he's alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on our behalf. He's praying for you. Jesus is in heaven praying for you right now. But we know that if he was on this earth, walking on this earth, do we think that Jesus would be living in fear? He would be living in victory. Do you think Jesus would be living in hate? He'd be living in victory. Do you think Jesus would ever be worried, upset, anxious of news lines of this or that? Absolutely not. Jesus, who has overcome the world, is now in you. And the life you're building is an overcoming life. And there's four things I want you to see. Let's look at this again. And we're going to go in each individual area. But look at this. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears the sayings of mine, does them. And I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the, someone say it, rock. rock. Now look at verse 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the, someone say it, sand. The first thing I want you to see is, there's two foundations Rock and sand—two completely different foundations. Rock and sand. Turn with me to First Peter chapter two. In understanding what Jesus is saying here in this passage, we have to come to this first conclusion: there's two different foundations. You know, foundations is an, is probably is the most important part of a building. Kenny could tell us about different pressures and concretes and he could tell us about you know how how deep a pad should be depending on how much weights gonna be on it. I mean he knows it. He could do that and before you begin to even get to the fun stuff you know my wife she loves to decorate. So you gotta understand my mother she does great with that as well but my mother you know she would change every so often right mom like paint colors Might, might paint every five, ten, every ten years and I say amen because I would always help her paint. I said, that's all right. If I can get out of the house and two paint jobs, that'll be good over the course of life. Laura, she thinks sometimes that color should change almost like the seasons. And I said, Hun-, you know, in the first house we lived in, I said, honey, if we put any more paint on these walls, uh, this is going to be better than insulation because at this point the paint's just creeping off the walls with all these different layers of paint. <laughs> But before you get to any of that fun stuff, before, you know, I know Joe and Laurie, they're building a house. They're getting to pick out these different things. When you're looking to buy a house, before you get to all that, what do you have to check first? The foundation. Because it doesn't matter how beautiful the house is. Oh, the location could be perfect. The house could be wonderful. The plans could be magnificent. Someone could even say, I'm going to pay for everything from the foundation up. You just have to cover the foundation. And if the foundation is bad, it doesn't matter what you put on top of it. Because it will fall. You, you know, maybe some of y'all have experienced this. If you go to sell a house or buy a house, one of the things that the inspection covers is the foundation. Because it doesn't matter how beautiful the paint is or how in style it is or how many beautiful trees are around it. If there's cracks in the foundation, uh-oh, it's going to move. And houses aren't supposed to move. Now look at First Peter chapter 2. I want you to see this. The first foundation we see in Matthew 7 is the rock. Who, who, thinks, who thinks they know who the rock is? If you know who the rock is, say it out loud. Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to Him, Jesus, as to a living stone. There's that same word. In the English is stone and rock, but it's the same word. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You know, if you're going to do the choosing of your foundation, let God choose it. Amen. And, that, and that goes, that's true in all areas of life. When you go to big decisions in your life, go before the Lord. Before you, de- you know, before you decide to ask someone to marry you. Or before you say yes or no to being married. Or before you buy a house or go into a contract for 20 years. Before you do something long, Why don't you just say, you know what, I'm going to take a few days and pray and ask God what I should do. Because I want Him to choose the foundation of this decision. Because Jesus here, He's the rock, which He's talking about in this parable Matthew 7. And Peter's saying by the Holy Spirit, look, the foundation that has been chosen for you is the foundation that God chose, Christ Jesus. Now verse 5, look, you also are living stones. And you're being built up a spiritual house. It's that same idea. We're all building a house. In fact, I want you to say that with me. Say, I am building a house. Every, every single one of us are building a house. There's no person on the planet earth right now that ever was or ever will be that's not building a house. Every single person is living a life. The only choices that we can choose is what will be our foundation? Will we be a wise builder or a foolish builder? What works will we use? And will our house stand... Or fall. Now look, verse 5. You also are living stones and are being built up as a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you build on Christ Jesus, your house is acceptable to God. Your house will stand. Verse 6. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture. And he quotes Isaiah. Isaiah. Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. See, we we make this choice and we daily make the choice. It's a daily choice. Really, it's a choice we make all through the day to choose Christ. In everything I'm doing, I'm going to choose Christ. And every decision I make in life, I'm going to choose what this book, this holy book, this inspired, spirit-filled, spirit-written book. We call it the Bible, but it's so much more than black ink on white paper. We realize and say, this is going to be the Lord of our life. His words, Christ and His words will be the Lord of my life. And I believe that I'll receive everything His word promises to me. And I'll do and fulfill everything His Word commands me. Amen. By the Holy Ghost. And when we're, when we're picking out this foundation, the first foundation we see is the foundation of a rock. The foundation of Christ Jesus. Now notice in verse 6. Notice how closely, and if you didn't do it, if you got your paper Bible, you know, got you a physical Bible, put your Bible marker at Matthew 7. We're going to go back to it all day today. And if you can do that on your mobile device or your tablet, do that as well. But Matthew chapter 7... Notice, look at there in verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, hears and does, his house will be built on the rock. And the end of 25, after the rain, the flood, the wind, it beats on the house, it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. Look at 1 Peter 2, 6. And he, this the last part of verse 6, this quotation of the prophet Isaiah. And he who believes on him, Jesus, will be by no means be put to shame. Amen. The King James Version, I believe, says haste. In other words, if you trust or confounded or confused, if you believe on Jesus, your house won't fall. Amen. If you believe on Jesus and you act on his word, your house won't fall if the house that you're building, the life that you're building is based on the Word of God living and doing, empowered by the Holy Ghost, His Word, your house won't crumble. It won't fall. There will be rain. There'll be floods. Winds will blow. But it won't matter. The house will stand. Because whoever believes on Jesus won't be put to shame. I've never been shameful for believing on Jesus. I've never been uh, put to shame for believing on Christ Jesus. There's not one time where I ever had faith in God and God didn't come through. Amen. Now, I have been ashamed when I didn't believe. I have been ashamed where, you know, I thought I mustered up the strength to do and then I kind of backed off. James 1 talks about that. Don't, don't, don't have a double mind. Don't believe and not believe. Have faith in doubt. You'll be like these seas of the ocean. They come in and they go right back out. And don't let anyone who does that with their believing think they'll receive anything from God. I've done that before, have you? But I know this, that whenever I've ever believed on Christ Jesus, I've never been put to shame. I've never been put to shame. You know, we have a miracle testimony here with us today. Our daughter, Naomi. When we picked out her name, we knew she was going to be here and we would not be put to shame. Regardless of what any other report we were given. Though we love, you know, doctors and staff and science and medicine... But they're not the final authority, and they never said they were, amen? amen. If you have medical staff, it's just like a mechanic. Chris can, can, can uh, agree with this. A mechanic and a doctor need to be the same way, the way I see it. They'll say, you know what, based on my experience, based on what I've done, based on my knowledge, this is what I think is wrong, and this is how I think we can fix it. But run if you get to a doctor or a mechanic that says, I know it all. Because <laughs> they don't. I mean, it, it is, I'm not making light of anything, but it is kind of similar. You know, you tell the doc, you tell the mechanic, I got a click, a bump, a skip, whether it's in the car, your knee, your back, what, you know, I got this going, it makes this funny noise, and it does this funny thing. Well, I've heard that before, and I think it's this, and, we, and lots of times it is. Sometimes you might have to come back again, right? Well, it's still, it, the, the skip's gone, but the bump's still there. No, we have to understand that when we're building on Christ Jesus, we'll never be put to shame. We'll never get to a point where we say, I I shouldn't have trusted in Jesus. But we will be put to shame if we get to a place where we say, you know what? I'm going to have a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of His Word, but some of these things I'm going to do on my own choosing. Some of these decisions I'm going to make in my own power and my own strength. Now, let's look. Look back at uh, Matthew chapter 7. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Who builds his house on the sand. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, 12. Proverbs 14, 12. This is a powerful, powerful proverb. And for whatever reason, it just kind of stuck in my mind several years ago when I read it, you know, that's, that's what's so powerful about just continually reading the Bible. You know, you can read it all. and You can go from cover to cover. You know, all you got to do is read three chapters a day and in a year you'll read the whole Bible. You know, you can pace it at whatever you need to pace it at. But even after looking at all those words and going through the chapters and verses, when you go and do it again, you'll say, wait, wow, I never saw that before. That's what's so powerful about being in church and hearing teaching and listening to teaching. You might say, wow, I I know where they're saying to turn. I've read that before, but I never heard it that way. I never got a hold of what they just revealed there. And for whatever reason, Proverbs 14, 12 is what took place in my heart several years ago. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that looks, it appears, it seems right to a man, but the end of it is destruction. The end of it is death. And that's what building your life on sand, building your life apart from the instruction of God's Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit is building a life on sand. It's building on this wisdom, man's wisdom, that changes today. It's one thing today and it's changed Tomorrow. I mean, how many times over the years have you had that, you know, whether it be science or different opinions, whether it's financial advice, whether it's your friends or opinions or maybe even with, like, diet plans, right, trying to lose some weight. Well, this is, man, you got to go keto, man. you got to go keto. If you do keto, you'll lose it. And then what, you know, two years later, it's like, no, you got to do high carb. you got to do high carb. You know, it's whatever just swifts and shifts and changes. And that's what building on sand is. When this decision to say, you know what, I think I... Know it all. I think I know the best in this situation. I think I can take care of it. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in destruction. And great is the fall of it. The house that's built on sin. See, a man can persuade himself. If you allow yourself to do it and not be checked by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, you can actually get to a point where you deceive your own self. You can actually persuade yourself that, well, you know what, maybe this besetting sin, like Hebrews says, maybe this little thing that seems like it's got a hold on me, well, it's not that big a deal. You know what, sin that is labeled as not that big a deal doesn't seem like that big a deal one day and the next it destroys your life. Sins that are left to grow will always bring destruction. You know, you, might, you can get to that point where you deceive yourself and you think, well, maybe this false religion, this false idea, or getting an understanding of God based on man. Bec- know who God is by His Word. Yeah. Begin to know God better by the revelation of His Word through the Holy Spirit. Don't know God through a third party. Well, you know, mama said, pastor said, my favorite TV evangelist said, grandma said... They may have been right. I'm not saying they're wrong. But don't let that be the basis of what you build your house on. Because mama, grandma, t- pastor, TV evangelist, whoever, they're all human. Amen. And how many knows, I know, not, I know I'm not talking about you, but how many knows other humans can make mistakes? Amen? Amen. Jeremiah 8, 8 says this, let me read it to you. It says, how do you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? And certainly in vain, he's made it. And the pen of the scribes, he's written in vanity. Notice this, verse 9. The wise men are ashamed. Jeremiah, he's speaking to Israel and he's saying, look, all these people that are confessing to be wise and saying they have this knowledge of God, they're all ashamed. Well, what do we know if they're ashamed? They weren't building on Christ. They weren't building on the rock. Because those that trust in Christ will never be ashamed. These wise men, they're dismayed and taken. And what does the Bible say? They have rejected the word of the Lord. Amen. They rejected it. They heard the word and refused to live by it. They heard the word and they refused to build on it. And it rejected and it says that wisdom and what wisdom is in them. The wisdom that's in them was just wisdom of, the, of vanity. The wisdom of man. Now, you see there Matthew chapter 7. Two foundations, rock and sand. The second thing I want you to see is there's two builders. Someone say two builders. There's two builders. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. By the time we get done here in just a few minutes, you're going to know these four verses like the back of your hand. Verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a... What kind of man? A wise man who builds his house on the rock. Look at verse 26. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them and does not do them will be like a what is it foolish man who builds his house on the sand there's two foundations we have a choice everyone's building rock sand but there's two builders and really we have to choose what builder we will be god's not going to come down and make you the wise builder if he was going to he would have done it with adam and eve Amen. No, God has given mankind choice. You know, some people don't. They 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 can't. That messes with their theology. They say, "Well, I thought God's all powerful. He is." And in His total power and sovereignty, He said, "I'm going to let you choose. I'm giving over some of this authority to mankind to choose." And God's saying, "Look, you can either be a wise builder, or you can be a foolish builder. You can be a wise builder or a foolish builder." Turn with me to John 14.10. John chapter 14.10. And talking about the wise builder. John 14.10. John chapter 14, verse 10. It says this. Jesus, He's speaking. This is right before He's headed to the cross. Right before He's about to be taken and become the sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God slain for the earth. And Jesus is telling the disciples in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16 on his way to the cross. Verse 10, he says this You know, Jesus is telling them, You've seen the Father. And Philip says, Now, wait a minute, Jesus. You said we've seen the Father, but I can't remember when you showed us the Father. And Jesus said, You've seen the Father because you've seen me. You've heard my words and you've seen my works. Verse 10, Jesus says this Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me. Notice this. This is so powerful. I saw this just studying the other day. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the work. Can you see that? Jesus makes the connection of the words spoken and the works performed. Let's read it again. Verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. This is is what's so powerful about the Word of God. It's more than just words spoken. It carries the indomitable Spirit of God. The Word of God carries the power and the life of God. And when we hear what is spoken and act on it, then the works of Christ flow through us. And it's not just about what has happened in the year 2020. Again, I was just, I was just worshiping the Lord and, and celebrating. And I, I was thinking, Lord, I see all these things. And don't get me wrong. All these memes are pretty funny about, you know, like uh ever saw Back to the Future, the car that said Doc set the car to 2020 and it blew up. I, you know, all these memes on social media, they're funny. But 2020 has been the best year of my life. It's been the best year of my life. And it's not, I'm not boasting in me. It's because you, just like I, have been building a house on the rock. And it didn't matter how much rain fell. didn't matter how high floods got. It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows. My house won't fall. And the choice is yours and ours to build. And that's our prayer, Lord. If there's any bricks in this house that I've put, pluck them out. Change them with your bricks. Because I don't want any holes in these walls. Amen. The only holes in your walls at your house are windows and doors. If I went over there today and put an extra hole, you wouldn't be happy. Because there ain't no window or door there. Verse 11. Believe me. We're still in John 14. "Believe, Believe me that I am in the Father. And the Father in me, this is something else completely new I saw. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Now notice this, verse 12. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father... Every time I've heard that verse, you understand different ministers, and I thank God for them, and I've heard teach and expound on John 14, 12. It always has to do with answered prayer, and it does talk about answered prayer in 13 and 14. You can see that. And really what we're talking about today is the key to answered prayer. When you build your life on the Word of Christ, God will answer your prayers. If you say, well, I don't know why I can't get prayers answered. Are you building on the Word of God? Are you building on the Word of Christ? Because I know this, His promises are yes and amen. And if I'm not getting a yes and an amen, then maybe I need to check what I'm building on. And Jesus is saying right here, if you believe in me, notice again the connection between belief and doing. If you believe in me, the works that I'll do, you'll do also. And then greater works. Every time I've heard a message on this, it's always about the miracle working power of God. Healing. Casting out devils. Raising the dead. Cleansing the lepers. I think it's Luke or Matthew 10 that where Jesus says that. And that's true. It is. But there's a deeper thing here. There's a deeper understanding here. When you believe on Jesus, His life will live through you. Not just from, you know, every once in a while, we'll see Jesus appear through us. Oh, just every now and then we'll get a prayer through. When you believe on Jesus, you'll... Build your life, you'll control and you'll decide and determine I'm going to live this thing for Christ. And if God's word says yes, I say yes. Yes. Well, what if it's not popular opinion? Their opinions are taking people to hell. I'm not getting, I don't care how smooth the ride is, the butt of the bus to hell is. (laughs) The bus going to hell could be leather seats. Let me tell you something. Just an aside. We never had leather seats before we bought that Honda for Laura. And I always thought it wasn't a big deal. But when you get leather seats, man, it's nice. And I think, wow, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back to this cloth stuff now. And so I had to get a, I had to get a family vehicle. that, you, For whatever reason, Laura didn't think the Jeep Wrangler, a 95 Jeep Wrangler. I mean, it's been kicking for 25 years. How's it going to quit now? I told her, told her we could put Naomi right on top of the spare tire, and she could have the best view in Lawrence County. But she didn't think that was a family ride. So I got me one, and that was an answered prayer. It had leather seats on it. But even if the bus to hell has leather seats, cold air, and nice little TVs to uh, uh, distract our minds, I ain't getting on. I'm not getting on. When you live, when you believe in Christ, you'll live like Christ. You'll live like Christ. That, look, that will, that is like a nuclear bomb boom, on so many religious ideas. Well, wait a minute, I thought it was just the worms of the earth. No, no. in sin, <laughs> we were lost and undone and without an enemy toward God. But since Jesus has become my Lord, I'm not an enemy to God. I'm a child of God. We sung it. We believe it, right? Amen. And if I'm a child of God, Ephesians 5.1, Therefore, imitate your father as children imitate their father. I'm just living like daddy lives. Amen. And that's what's so powerful about that when you see that through this lens. I'm making a decision to live my life based on the Word of God. So what I do will be the works of Christ. Amen. Hey, that's a great way to check up on your heart. I do it all the time. I look and say, wait a minute. Does this look like what Jesus would do? Ooh, I don't know. I'm going to have to get some change in here. This doesn't quite look like Jesus. what Jesus would do. Father, Father. reprove me. Correct me. I, I'm, I mean, I'm so on to that prayer. Since I saw that in 1 Corinthians 7 several months ago. Lord, I'd rather be judged now than later. Amen. Because the later judgment, there isn't a chance to change. But now I can change. Somebody's saying a change is coming. Amen? Amen. Now, look at this. You're building as a wise builder, you're building on the Word of God. You're building by the power of His Word. You don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 1.3 says this, Jesus being the brightness of the Father's glory, an express image of the Father's person, upholding all things by the power of His Word, or by the Word of His power. The Word of God carries power. That's why it's not. I'm not living legalism. I'm not living by a rule book. It's words of life. Peter said that in John chapter 6. Everyone has a choice. I've already said that. Everyone has a choice. Jesus was preaching to a multitude and He's telling them these what the Bible, what theologians will call hard sayings. You know what I found out? There's no hard saying in the Bible if I'll just yield to God. It's only a hard saying when I want my mind to rule over what God says. It's an easy and a light thing to follow Jesus. And Peter said, Jesus said, Are you going to leave? He begins to teach and preach, and the multitudes leave. And the only people left are the disciples, these 12 men who've left all to follow them. And Jesus said, You're going to leave too? And Peter said, Where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. We're building our life on the words of life. We're building our life on the Bible, which is the carrier of God's power. That's why it's so powerful when you speak and confess God's Word over your life. When you speak and confess the Word of God in your life by faith, you're releasing something supernatural. You're giving the Lord a foundation to build a house on. Now, you're also building by the power of His Spirit. Acts 17.28 says that. In Him, for in Him we live and move and have our being. The, everything that's being done is, is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I think that's sometimes what scares people. It scares Christians when they begin to hear this idea of faith and works. Ooh, works, oh, it's not, uh, you know, we can't get salvation by works. We're not earning salvation by works. We're not get, grabbing a, We're not trying to earn something from God. The works are a byproduct of the life of Christ in us. James tells us, faith without works is dead. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to build a house, I don't need any dead helpers. Because I'm still going to have to move and nail and screw and cut everything I was going to and then move them out of the way. (laughs) Because they're not going to help me. No, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Grab a hold of that. Andrew Murray, pastor talks about him so many times. If you haven't read any of his books, they're on the internet for free. You can buy some. Powerful. He He has a book called The Blood of the Cross. And in one of the chapters it says the crucified life. And it's so beautiful because that's the life of the Christian. Is the crucified life. It's the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in me that is not of me. It's bearing fruit in me that is of Christ. It's what John 15 says. Jesus said, you're the branch. I'm the vine." You're connected to me. You're not the one producing the fruit. That's my job. Just stay connected to me. And I'll produce in you works of righteousness, fruits of righteousness. Colossians 1. You'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now let's look at this foolish man. Turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This foolish man. We know this foolish man, he built his life on the sand. In James chapter 1, we get a little bit better description of this foolish man. James chapter 1, verse 21. James 1, verse 21. We get almost like a detailed biography of how this foolish man lives. James 1, 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Notice, there it is again, which is able to save your souls. The word of God carries the saving power of God. That's why Paul, he so, he so firmly believed it and said it in Romans 1. I'll never be ashamed of the gospel, which is the power of God. Amen. You know, the Holy Spirit through Paul told Timothy, Timothy that. He said, in these last days, there'll be people that will fall away from the faith. You know, you can't fall away from faith unless you were in it to begin with. I can't get out of my car unless I was in there in the first, first place. And in these last days, there'll be people that fall away. And the main reason is because they have a form of godliness, but deny the power of it. They look really good. Hey, what about what Jesus said? There's two houses. The houses look just alike. What's the difference? The foundation. What can't be seen. And what's the other difference? The result. One stands, one falls. It's not enough to have a form of godliness. It's not enough to say the right things and look okay on this day and do this or do that. You've got to have the goods on the inside. You have to have the Holy Ghost moving in you and on you and through the Word of God in you to make a change. That's why it's so, to me, it just it rattles my mind when people talk about how Christians are just going to keep on living in sin. Is the blood of Christ not enough to overcome the power of sin? I've got a new nature. My nature isn't producing old nature things. That sin nature's dead in the ground. And I ain't digging them up. And if I see you with a shovel, I'm going to take it and hit you over the head so you can't dig them up either. James 1, but be Verse 22. But be doers of the word. Not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. You know, Satan, he's a deceiver. But we can deceive ourselves. And sometimes that might be a more dangerous thing. Satan doesn't really come up with any new ideas. But yourself, you've got around 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Satan, even with Jesus, Satan came and tempted Jesus. Jesus, of course, overcame that temptation. And what happened? Satan left him for a season. But self I haven't figured a way to get away, of, get away from self. Oh, but through Christ, Amen. self's crucified. Yes. Amen. Self is a ser- servant. A slave to Christ. Lester Sumrall would say, you know, the body and the flesh, the body and the soul make, make terrible masters. Yes. The spirit makes a wonderful master. And the body and the soul make wonderful servants. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Who looked in the mirror today? Amen. And the mirror's still intact, right? Amen. Of course it is. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. This man that hears the word but doesn't act on it, he sees his reflection but he doesn't change a thing. If that doesn't show you the power of the choice of humanity, I don't know what does. The word's not any different for this person. Same word. In Matthew 7, it's the same word. Anyone who hears my words and lives by them, acts on them, commits their lives to my word, they'll build a house that stands. And that same word for the people that hear and don't live by it, don't believe in it, don't act on it, they'll build a house too, but it won't stand. And that's what's happening here. He sees himself. That mirror is useless. He could, have the, he could have the most expensive mirror ever made in all of history. But unless he uses the mirror to fix his hair, to shave, to make sure he looks alright, it'll never benefit him anything. And that's what the Word of God does. It's not enough to hear. It's an, you, we come to it, we say, Holy Ghost, these words of Christ... Let them cut me and let them peel away and cut away every part and any hidden secret thing in me. Let it pluck it out. Anything not like Christ, remove it. Anything that's grabbing a hold of this understanding or this un- any unrenewed parts of my mind, renew it. Change it. Bind this flesh that wants to have its own way by this power. Holy Spirit, as I read, change me and continually conform me to the image of it. And when you pray prayers like that, that's what happens in verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. You ever notice with building a house, you can't drive one nail and be done. You've got to do some building. You've got to do some working. Whoever sees it and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. It's almost like what Isaiah said by the Holy Ghost. Anyone who puts his trust in this foundation will not be put to shame. There's two builders, foolish and wise. Now, we're coming to a close here. I want you to see this. Turn with me to Titus chapter 3. There's two foundations, rock and sand. There's two builders, wise and foolish. How many want to be wise? And there's two works that are done. The work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the flesh. You know, immediately, as as long as the church has been alive, it's been something, I guess, that has been argued back and forth, this idea of faith and works. Faith and works. It's pretty simple, really, when you just say, you know what? I'm going to go to the Word and say, uh, anything that doesn't conform to it, I'll change it. Let's just see what God's Word says. But it's pretty simple in this. Works don't save you, they never will. If they could, we could have worked to salvation and Christ would have never had to come. The only work that was sufficed, the payment of sin, is the work of Christ. How many are thankful for the finished work of Christ? He poured out sinless blood. That's the work that saves. But as we saw in John 14, 12, if you believe on Jesus, how many believe on Jesus? You'll do His works. Titus 3, verse 5. Well, let's look at verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, notice, not by works of righteousness, which who? We have done. But according to His mercy He saved us. So how have you been saved? By mercy. mercy, The work of Christ. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now this is important. Verse 6, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Verse 8, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. The works of of a Christian is simply the outflowing of the Spirit of God. It has to be. It has to be. If not, then we're just subject to the whims of this world like any other person. If Christ truly is the Redeemer, if Christ truly is the Savior, and He truly is the Baptizer of the Holy Spirit, then as it says in verse 5, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, we'll receive salvation and maintain these good works. And we'll build this house. What are the good works? Obedience to His Word. Andrew Murray, he... He said this as well. He said, obedience is the law of communion with the Father. Acts 5.32, Peter said, and to those that obey is given the Holy Spirit. How do you obey? Believe, receive, live, move, breathe. Acts 17, surround yourself, yield yourself, submit yourself to what God has said. That you, Lord, your word, your words are my final authority. Amen. Your words are the captain of my ship. It's not works of flesh, though. It's what Zechariah said not by might, not by strength, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Now, they were talking about things that would take place with Israel prophetically, but it's a true pr- eternal principle. It's not by my working, it's not by my strength. If it were by your strength or my strength, our strength would have failed a long time ago. My strength, honestly, probably would have failed the first time the rain started pouring. But it's not by my might, my strength, it's by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why when I can hear rain fall and I say, Lord, let it rain. I can hear floods coming up, Lord, let it come on up. We're not moving. Winds can blow, that's all right, Father. We've got a strong house. We've built together. Now, I want you to see this last part. Matthew 7.25, there's two houses. There's two foundations. There's two builders. There's two works. And there's two houses. Matthew 7.25, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house. The house of who? The hearer and doer. And it fell not. For it was founded on the rock. Verse 27, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat up that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Whose house? The hearer only. Now notice, Matthew 16, 16. Look at this. Matthew 16, 16 is where we're going to finish today. Talking about two houses. I mean, it's pretty simple to choose, right? Whose house do we want? The house that stands. Matthew 16, 16. Simon Peter answered and said, you are are, talking to Jesus, of course, the Christ, the anointed Messiah, the One the prophet spoke of. You're the Son of David. You're the One we've been waiting on. You're the One who's fulfilled prophecy. You're the Son of God. You're the Son of Man. The Son of the living God. Verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but My Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell can't prevail against the house that stands on the rock of Christ. And it really is. You know what? You can make several true analogies. You can say, well, surely the rock is being a Christian and the sand is not. Well, yes, that's true. But you can also have heard the words and begin to build and then fall away. You can also build with some of, of, of these stones of Christ and then add in some stones of flesh. We all know it. We've made some good decisions that the Lord helped us made, Right? And I was listening to pastor's message again, as he is, so are we. And he made that statement. I laughed again just as hard as I did the first time. He said, has he had some downs in life? Like all of us, sure. But it was when we made some stupid decisions. And I laughed. I said, that's exactly what it was with me too. When I decided to think I could just figure it out on my own. And you know what? I know I could ask the Lord, but I think I'll just take it on my own this time. You know, mm, that's the airplane crashing. The house that stands is the one that is founded on this rock. And it doesn't matter. Be encouraged. It doesn't matter how much rain falls. Well, we're in rainy season. Bring it on. I'm on the rock. It doesn't matter on flood or winds that blow. Because what is founded under you and founded under me is something that can't be moved. And with that same breath, the book of Hebrews talks about what will come but... Again, it's a biblical principle. Hebrews 12, verse 27, it says, All things that can be shaken will be shaken. We're seeing shaking things in the earth. We're coming to the close of this age of grace. And anything that can be shaken is being shaken. And what does the Bible say after that? And everything that can be shaken will fall. So it will reveal what remains which is founded on Christ. Are you founded on Christ today?